This podcast is brought to you by 411 Fightwear, an e-commerce platform that's redefining the local fightwear industry. You can check them out at 411fightwear.com and also on Instagram at 411fightwear. That's 411fightwear. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Leverage Radio. Today, I am in conversation with, with Kush Devar. Kush is an archaeologist who's studying the sculptures of grappling in India. He's currently doing his PhD in archaeology from the Deccan College in Pune. Kush, how are you, man? How's it going? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me over. Like, it's, it's an honor to be in this, on this podcast. Oh, cheers, man. That's a big responsibility on our shoulders then. But in fact, you contacted us and you wanted to talk to us about your research. And we thought uh, it sounds like a really good idea to get an academic on, uh, not just uh, every time being the same sort of guest. You know, it's interesting to know about the roots of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm, I don't have any ego that I want people to call me or anything. It's just that I've been very shameless in contacting people <laughs> from martial arts world and telling them about my research because I think that is how people will know me. Sure. And, uh, and I feel that Warriors Cove was the only gym that did not know me. Like mm-hmm. Crosstrain knows about me, IJJ knows about me. Daniel Isaac, Alan Fernandez, they know me since five years now. So it's just that I thought that, and I don't like working in silos. Like, right. I, I think if we can collaborate, we can do a lot more for the sport. We can contribute more to the prosperity of the sport in India. Mm-hmm. And that's what my goal is, like, to be on this podcast. No, that that's uh, cool you say that, man, because that's basically our goal as well. Like, it cannot work in isolation. Nothing can. Um, I think we've learned that, that the more um, knowledge sharing there is, the more integration there is between systems as well. Yeah. You'll see some results. But, uh, so you have trained in the past, right? Where I all mean, the people... I... I mean, I've been very erratic with my training for a number of reasons. But uh, in 2014, I started in Cross Train Fight Club because I was living in Delhi. Mm-hmm. And uh, CFC basically introduced me to real martial arts. Right. Like before that, I was one of those kids learning karate in the garden, right? Yeah. And like, I still remember my. Like most of us. Yeah. I mean, I still remember my coach telling me that a jab is a short punch, a cross is a straight punch, an uppercut is a bounce punch, and a hook is a round punch. Who was so, this? This was this can't be CFC. No, no, no. This was this was this random sensei senpai <laughs> in the garden of Okay. So like for a year I learned with him and I always thought like a hook is a round punch. And he's not then wrong in I that go- sense, but <laughs> it's definitely I not mean, a straight punch like <laughs> but I wouldn't so uh, I went, use that terminology so I went to cross train and Gaurav Gulia was taking a class back then right I mean Gaurav Gulia used to be very active in the cross train management earlier 
सो गौरव गौरव भैया इज लाइक एक हुक मार मैंने कहा हुक क्या होता है देन ही शोर्ट मी भैया इसको तो राउंड पंच ही रहता है everyone started making fun of me there for a long time and oh, then it is that and then i got a little settled in cross train i trained there for two months and then i had to go back to my masters in pune okay so that's that's been my story like i have been in pune for a long time and there is just i was hearing sean's podcast and there is yeah. nothing in pune like there are these quack gyms which claimed to teach grappling but when i went there it was like i said aap brazilian jiu jitsu to karate nahi hote it's like nahi hum japanese jiu jitsu karate hain and mm. you know like all that crap like and so i ended up doing capoeira okay so like i was just googling brazilian martial arts in pune and mm. nothing came in bjj domain so i was like capoeira kar lete hain then i stuck to it for 2 years and it was fun but it was not bjj at the end of the day of course but pune like uh, the place shawn was training uh, i can't remember the academy's name but they they're pretty good man they've got some good well rounded guys for mma at least and muay thai and uh, even their jiu jitsu is all right that's what shawn told me like it's getting better he's trained with them for a while now so i mean if you have when you go back to submit your thesis uh no time like now if you get a chance to train but then yeah i mean you went to pune and you didn't find training there so how did you uh link up with ijj then so basically i mean i have i've worked at different places like i have a typical teacher's life right like in pune i taught in an all girls school ngo school so uh basically uh, before pune i did my teach for india fellowship in delhi hmm. so after teach for india i taught in a school in pune then after that i taught in a school in ahmedabad then i taught in a school in bangalore right now when i was in bangalore uh, rohit and sid had just had this combat carnival tournament right that rama reddy had organized and i was just talking to sid that what do i do like i haven't trained in a while so sid was like why don't you talk to rohit so rohit actually rohit didn't pick up my phone for a long time but uh, john fernandez the other founder of the gym uh, contacted me and then i started going there now and then like it was still very erratic because my job was like till 4 o'clock i was living in hsr layout like very close to where bukka lives okay so i mean then traveling 20 kilometers to fraser town was a big challenge so hmm. whenever i had the energy i used to go maybe once a week once in two weeks like it was really bad mm-hmm. but i did get a feel of ijj and i really appreciate and you know a little bit of trivia it was piyush i introduced to ijj too okay so piyush was in train right so piyush piyush has a really interesting story so he is wearing a bjj india gi yeah in cross train yeah and he is very excited he is like do you want to roll whoever meets him he says like, do you want to roll do you want to roll do you want to roll it's like you can see that he is itching to train yeah and uh, and then we we rolled and then we started talking i told him and then then we started warming up and cfc you know like 
I don't know like how Warrior Scope does it, but IGG and CFC training modules are completely different. Like right. CFC has a one hour long strength and conditioning session before you actually train Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So Piyush was Piyush never finished that training. Like Piyush was always sitting in the sidelines, right? Like I can't take this. I can't take this. I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. So I told him that maybe you should go to IJJ because like they have a very different kind of training, and you might like that training. Right. And I guess he took my word for it, and he messaged me in Bangalore. He's like, "Hey, bro, I'm in Bangalore." I'm like, "Wow." I mean, wow. So just and on a dime, he switched. Yeah, man. Like it was like a month or something. Like I think he went to cross train. He did not. adjust well to the cross train conditions he went back to bjj india for a week or so hmm. got really disillusioned with the training there i wonder and, why and uh, then and then he went back to ijj hmm. so he came to ijj for two weeks just to see what it is like before committing to it and at that time i was in bangalore as well so he messaged me is like you are right this gym is really good i really enjoy it here Mm-hmm. I'm like glad you enjoy it, and now it's all history. Like he's part of the main team now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the few people who's actually trained at all three academies now. He's even yeah. come. He's even come to our place and uh, done a few rounds with us. Yeah, I so, heard in the podcast. I heard in the podcast. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Not bad. So, <clears throat> what is your uh, thesis about in your PhD? So basically. Um, after doing like my two months in cross train i decided that i wanted to do something related to wrestling and grappling and i i called it wrestling for the very long time for my masters thesis <laughs> so i talked to my professor like can we do that so my professor is like yeah on temples of india there are sculptures of wali sukri bhim jarasan like wrestling <laughs> so why don't you document and analyze those sculptures So for my masters, I took like five temples as a pilot study. So your your master, sorry, your masters was in uh, what exactly? Archaeology. 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 Okay. So I just studied those five sculptures, uh, five temples, and studied some thirty-three sculptures from five temples. That's a lot. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, then I realized that maybe I can do further research in this. Hmm. so after that i then i was like going on and off training at ijj training at cfc my research so then there was a good feedback loop that i used to see a sculpture i used to take it to said i used to tell said said is this a bjj move or is this a wrestling move hmm. so said used to say yeah man this is a half god this is a inverted triangle like then what happened that i started finding a lot of bjj moves on these temples okay so they were not wrestling like so then i started going deep into research like i so how could you tell that it. how could you tell that they were jiu jitsu moves and were not in fact wrestling i'm not saying that they were like i'm not they, claiming that jiu jitsu started yeah. in india but yeah, those moves like if you see an inverted triangle right mhm so yeah. i mean where do you see that move now i would love to see these images though I have them ready for you, man. I'm going to show you them. Oh, amazing! Let's let's do this. I'll so, give you screen sharing. Yeah, yeah. Just just share it with me, then we can talk. Okay, you have been made the co-host. 
I think you can awesome. do a screen share now. So whenever you want to show me anything, I would love to see it. Yes, I will. Wait, so now, can you see the screen? Yeah. Okay, so I made, now look at this, right? Now this is a sculpture from Ashmolean Museum, okay? Uh, this is a uh, 2nd century, 3rd century BC sculpture or AD sculpture, like the dating hasn't been done properly, but this is from a Shunga and Kushan period in North India. Mm -hmm. And these are known as traveling wrestlers, right? Mm -hmm. Now we go further. This is a 6th century temple in Badami. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then look at... He seems England. to have a... In the previous image, it seems to have a guillotine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a 10 finger grip guillotine with his chin on yeah. top of the back of the neck of his uh, partner from a seated position. Interesting. This is just the beginning, man. Be okay, cool, be. cool, cool. Let's see. <laughs> like, look you at might this have to share leg, a video right? of this one. Yeah, single leg, sprawling counter, almost with the hand around yeah. the uh, the throat of the person taking the shot. Now look at this. Like, this is like the beginning of a grappling bout. Mm-hmm. Posture. Postures. Yeah. And uh, head positioning now look head at, to head. Yeah. This is a very, very unique sculpture because it was found in the Garbhagraha. So okay. can you imagine people where people come to pray? Hmm. This culture is there above the shivling. Mm -hmm. So I mean it certainly means something. Now look at this inverted triangle. Just take a look properly and tell me what you think. I mean, it does look like there is some amount of leg entanglement, but I am not certain. Uh, is this statue at the bottom, the face broken off? Is that what I'm looking at? Yes, so this part is broken off. Right. The so top it, do of the face. it does look like one statue has his legs wrapped around the shoulder and neck and arm of of the other person who's in basically a almost like a split yeah like more like, like a lunge yeah more like yeah. a lunge uh, the person being lunged is somehow entrapped in the other person's triangle while holding a the arm that's trapped in the triangle that's weird yeah. insane so this okay. culture made me think that why are such moves in wrestling so I mean, then you go further. Like this is a like you can see this. I mean, okay. So my skepticism, if you don't mind me raising one. Yeah. Why could they like this in particular, for instance, on the right here? Yeah. Yeah. Could this not also be like some sort of orgy, depicting some kind of orgy? No, no, no. So this is not an <laughs> like So what you need. Uh, I wish so people like, could see it. There's there's eight little human esque figures, all sort of so, kind of entangled with one another. There's specifically eight. Those so so the they are in pairs. Because 
the temple i mean then there you need to understand a lot of art history and cultural studies and temple art and architecture okay. and the temple that this culture belongs to uh, is not a temple where you find erotic sculptures all right okay so i mean then look at this now this is not an orgy right doesn't look like one like he's going look going for a ground and pound can you see this yeah and he has other... his arm wrapped around his neck and this guy is the referee <laughs> yeah this is the referee yeah so they are known as uh, madhyaksha or malla prashnika so like there are sanskrit terms for these referees as well mm -hmm. now look at this now this is what made me think right like he's got a so, figure four uh, grip locked up on his either his arm yeah so this straight arm lock right basically it's like a key lock uh, with a straight arm lock finish so basically um, i heard this bjj fanatics podcast of john danaher and he was talking about juji gatami yeah. being invented in japan in 14th century 15th century edo era but this culture is from a temple that is 12th century man mm -hmm. so like i mean definitely juji gatami did not have its origin in 15th century <laughs> so like now this is a overhook but what's important here uh, is that you can see the king and the royal family and the people enjoying a grappling match like uh, this is be this culture basically shows how grappling tournaments were a major sightseeing or major Sport, major sporting event like how, how many sports did they have back in the day like wrestling was yeah. easy to understand i put you down on your ass and i win if i hold you yeah. there i win yeah mm -hmm. so yeah this is definitely uh, okay what are we looking at here yeah it looks like some kind of grapple hold and again there's a, a man standing in the back with his hand up uh who looks to be like that referee uh image yeah yeah this is a 13th century temple in andhra telangana it's got like under hooks or something and a wrist yeah. control now look at this properly so almost looks like back control if i had to back guess. control in andhra yeah yeah doesn't have over under control as both over controls Okay, this is definitely uh, some kind of leg entanglement. It almost looks like the bottom guy is about to switch to fifty-fifty, or yeah, his leg over and go to cross Ashi. Dude, this is fascinating stuff. I must say, this looks exactly like sumo, uh, but I mean, could also just as easily be wrestling or grappling for sure. I mean, it is. That's what it looks like. This is a very This is interesting because one guy is grappling three people. Must have been a figure who was slightly bigger than the rest of the, you know, village yeah. or something. Yeah, more like entertainment purposes. They uh, put on a WWE them. show. <laughs> yeah, middle-aged WWE. Right. 
sitting in someone's open guard this looks like a yeah hmm what is the uh, period no, see, this of this is an arm these these last two images look like they are from the same uh, temple or same uh, period yeah so these are from the vijayanagar era so 14th century 15th century so in fact what this guy has is like uh, like a reverse arm drag or um, yeah this is great, an arm drag yeah great great white grip almost interesting and the other guy has this stuff this now this is yeah so like this is like a leg he going for a single leg but this guy has controlled his wrist preventing yeah 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 now see this this is see, more like a kimura trap like this guy is going for a single leg but he has got him into a kimura trap okay this uh, i can't tell this looks like rocks <laughs> Okay, yeah, that that is far clearer. That is proper Kimura trap. Like his arm is just about to reach in and grab his own wrist, and he has his yeah. leg legs around the guy's shoulder. And yes. again, there's a referee standing behind Now, him. Now, these are women grappling, by the way. Yeah, the, they look at with the shape of the hips and the head and. the bodies are all slightly yeah. na- narrower and yeah. there are references in vijayanagar literature that women used to grapple in front of the king i wouldn't be surprised so see this that. is a crucifix and an arm drag right what <clears throat> yeah and some very rudimentary guard it's basically the kenchi uh, what it looks like but uh, yeah it's a very rudimentary guard but you'd see this in like local grappling tournaments even today Yeah. Again, looks like almost on the back. There's a referee, and uh, again, arm trapped. Yeah. This is a inside leg trip. He's trying to trip the guy from his. Uh, I think leg. I think it's an outside leg trip because it's his left leg. Oh, it's an outside leg. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's his left leg coming around from the back on the inside. Yeah. So he would go to the left of. Um, yeah, but he's got one leg on the outside trip, the other leg high up on the armpit, and uh, what appears to be an overhook. Um, yes, that this is an overhook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now this is really interesting. Okay. So Elliot took a lot of time to identify. So in the beginning, it it looks like a low leg, uh, single leg, right? Like this guy is going really low in the leg and trying to grab the ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why is this foot entangling the other foot? If I had to guess, he could invert and take his back. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I mean, you can think like like a berimbolo of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Elliot thinks this is a leg cradle. It's a folk wrestling move. Okay. So I don't know. Like, I mean, it's really difficult. Like, you know, it's it's exactly like uh, you would agree that when you look at these moves, 
what i might think you might think it's different right from a yeah. technical standpoint yeah that and what's uncanny is that almost always the sculptor has to capture the essence of the entire bout yes in a transitionary stationary sculpture which is tremendously hard to do i would think and it's a very dynamic sport right like people keep on changing their positions in yeah, milliseconds so literally they are trying to sculpt from memory a transition of a 3 or 5 minute bout they saw exactly. or is happening or is happening That's... in front of them you know So yeah. there's never a moment that they have a still thing to pick off. It has to be from memory. So it, it that's why they look like this. But then, even but even then, I mean, if you can see a clear key lock or you can see a clear grip on someone's uh, ankle and stuff like that, it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Then this is like he's going for a single, single leg, leg. The but, other guy has not but yet wrapped it. He's going for an arm turn. Like you can see this. Him so holding he, his. So even that would become a Kimura trap then. So he would yeah, just slip exactly. his slip his hand inside and uh, yeah, grab his own wrist. Hand under his arm, He'll and this is holding the arm. I mean, <laughs> this is funny because the, the the guy going for the shot would end up in a crucifix position. He's almost there. Like yeah. Fall, fall into it. Deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep in the. On the hip. the inside yeah. hand is deep on the hip the outside hand yeah, is on the uh, uh on the leg but he's not careful because the other guy clearly and if you look at the eyes of the statues as well uh the person going or the figure going for the shot has eyes on the back leg the person attacking the arms eyes are on the wrist yes interesting i mean that's a lot of detail right there that shows it's not just goats butting heads okay collar tie wrist control this is the collar tie and he's holding his arm yeah. he's he's like trying to control the yeah, wrist, wrist control yeah wrist control wrist and neck control see yeah 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 so it's a collar tie and then uh, wrist control uh from one person one figure and the other figure apparently has an underhook on the on one side and an outside trip on the other yeah so that's it dude that was crazy that was hella fascinating i really hope i think we will have to take out the video for this part because most people will not i mean they'll hear it as well but i'll definitely work on getting this uh, section of the video out um uh, to help with your research and your um, you know stuff like that because so now this is your thesis uh like the bare bones of your thesis and around this you structure all your writing how many words do you have to give in for this i mean uh so i have written like 131 pages already like 131 pages of thesis right and uh, so i mean you see uh, through this uh, study what i am trying to establish so for the first time i mean when a art historian when an art historian or an archaeologist records these cultures mm-hmm. i mean there is just recording like uh, wrestling move two people wrestling on the janga of the temple janga is the basically outer wall of the yeah. temple and that leave it there 
no one in india has actually gone deeper into these cultures and try to recreate the social economic political history of the dynasty okay through these cultures so basically what my motto is like my um, my hypothesis is that so right so i am doing my phd on specifically vijayanagar cultures so like okay. my true so my hypothesis is that through the cultural study of these cult of the cultures of vijayanagar one can deduce the fact that vijayanagar society was a martial society you know like uh, that there are a lot of references of vijayanagar kings uh, doing wrestling in the early morning like krishna devaraya getting up early doing wrestling hmm. then uh, there are references of kings keeping like thousand wrestlers in their household and like wrestlers were a sign of prosperity and strength for the king yeah like the stronger the wrestler the better the king yeah so i mean these kind of references keep on coming now and then so basically i have actually like tried to find needles in haystacks right like you read a huge book and then you find a line on wrestling <laughs> and then yeah. you try to analyze that line like no one has uh, done a study where you know you like you try to understand the small minute details of the society and that's why i did our that's why i chose archaeology like if you look at history history is basically study of influential people like you will never find history of wrestlers mm-hmm. you will find history of krishna devaraya you will find history of chinnamma devi on whatever what all mm. but archaeology actually studies the common people mm. like when you when i excavate a house or something it's not a palace it's a house of a normal person right so how do you reconstruct the past using the excavation material that you yeah. so like i mean i wanted to understand like the common man's thinking psychology cognition to like through this i am understanding the cognition of the sculptor now looking at these sculptures you can definitely make out that the sculptor like sculptors are watching a lot of grappling tournaments right mm-hmm. i mean these are not moves that you can just watch once and on be like own. yeah you got it yeah or to go even further the sculptors used to do amateur grappling as well could be to be fit yeah like me like i'm not a competitive grappler mm-hmm. i do grappling for my research mm. but for me it's important to understand this is a kimura or this is a armbar mm-hmm. so similarly sculptors were into recreational grappling of sorts and you know like just trying to reconstruct the cognitive abilities of the people the cognition of the sculptor the sthapati the people who make the temples mm. and like why are these sculptures on the temples like of all the places mm. yeah i mean temples are places of worship temples i mean it's reverence have... it's reverence right like yeah. a, a it was probably one of the only sports in that sense where you you know like anybody could do it there was no equipment required there's nothing to do mitti lagai and kushti shuru ho sakti hai and that's been we well documented as part of uh tradition in india um but what period is this vijayanagar these vijayanagar temples that you have looked at um, so 
so basically i the sculptures that i showed you they span from 2nd century ad to 16th century ad 7th so to 16th second 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 to 16th okay so that's 1200 years okay nice and i have literary references which go to rigveda mm-hmm. now rigveda the date is very controversial mm-hmm. like i mean people have tried to date the rigveda to different dates like like coming of the harappans leaving of the harappans and all that yeah. but uh, i mean it does show that like grappling has an antiquity in indian history which goes beyond recognition mhm but so and this is obviously in the south of india right so my study is in the south yeah. of india but uh, uh, the sculptures i mean you see like uh, in general the temple building activity has survived in the south of india more than in the north of india you know why no idea why is it that in look at delhi for example why is it that in delhi you only find maqbaras and tombs and uh, not was, was it the mughal empire would you attribute it to I that mean, basically uh, so basically from the 10th century after muhammad of ghor started invading north india mm-hmm. i mean they i mean whatever temples did exist were converted into mosques mm mm-hmm. the best example have you been to qutub minar yes it's too much uh, you know the quwwat you know the quwwat ul islam mosque yeah so that mosque is built from the material of 27 chauhan temples oh wow that's why it doesn't so like look you... uh, very much like some of the other structures right Yes. slightly so if you look very carefully there are sculptures of ganesha varaha mm-hmm. then indra mm-hmm. i mean they are defaced like the muslims were iconoclastic right. so they basically defaced the sculptures but you can still make out the iconography that these yeah, yeah, are indian yeah. gods right 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 the so, stone I mean, carvings and stuff like that yeah mm. <laughs> you know like archaeology is very interesting that way like you study layer by layer how human occupation happened now was the human occupation a peaceful act or was it a violent act so like you analyze all these things and come to a conclusion i mean it's like if you look at qutub minar so the earlier artisans that worked on islamic monuments like qutbuddin aibak came to power in 1206 ad mm-hmm. now in 1206 ad they did not have persians and turkish artisans coming to india mm-hmm. so aibak and his successor iltutmish they had to hire indian, indian artisans yeah yeah like i mean they are more used to making temples they are not used to making mosque so i mean it's like they are adapting to the new style of art mm-hmm. and as the uh, delhi sultanate and mughal empire conquests increases you will see how there is small resemblance of persian timurid turkish yeah. architecture on north indian architecture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
while in south india for a long time there were a lot of native indian rajputing like uh, when uh, when alauddin khilji invaded south india he never kapatiya then just can you repeat that uh, the audio was cutting out ऑफ the nayakas of madurai the nayakas of jinji tanjavur hmm. so like in south there has been a lot of cultural and social and economic activities compared to the north mm-hmm. so that's why you see a lot of temple building activities surviving in the south than in the north interesting interesting yeah yeah uh, i was watching something on youtube i know it's pretty like off topic but basically some of the south temples the architecture in them is hypersymmetrical like um yes you can basically align yourself in various ways where ev- you can still see everything happening in the temple um and that's quite fascinating like people haven't been able to figure that out yeah. even today there are some temples that are carved into mountains uh yeah kailash elora yeah exactly kailash uh, elora yeah it is the largest monolith in the world yeah it's it the unesco world heritage yeah so there's there's it's a lot a of uh, i think there's a lot of undiscovered not exactly undiscovered but a lot of potential in the kind of work you're doing uh because like you said you'll read a whole book about and there'll be one line they used to wrestle and like okay fuck tell me some more <laughs> so, so I mean, is your yeah, plan to yeah. sorry can carry on Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. No, so you've covered the south, and this will be part of your thesis. Um, moving forward, are you thinking of maybe writing a book, uh, doing a documentary, something where uh, you know you expand on this? Because I believe, at least, that across the world, the same thing was happening everywhere. People were wrestling. um whether it be in turkey whether it be in brazil whether it be in japan whether it be in you know russia whether it's you know anywhere uh rome greek greece whatever you name it like there have been people who have been wrestling all over the world so do you plan to expand on this at least for india and have you done any research prior uh, on the topic so uh so like when i was in my mid 20s and you know Sid got really excited by looking at these sculptures. I became very arrogant, and I thought that Jujitsu has its origin in India. Like I was just very arrogant, mm-hmm. and but I was not arrogant enough to publish it in like public journals and stuff. So uh, and you know, like even if you look at like I heard a couple of podcasts on Grapple Central of Valenci Brothers. then recently there is this documentary called jujitsu strong and uh, then there is this book by john danaher and kid rock on henzo and hoyt gracie 
Mm. In everything they say that jujitsu has its origins in India. Yeah. Right. So I am just like, what is the proof? Like, do they have any scriptures? Do they have any material record that they can say for certain that it started in India? Because for me to publish that, like, it's it's me going a very long way to say that jujitsu started in India. So yeah. where's the conviction? The con- yeah, but you know now I've like sort of I you can say I've become more wise and I've become more humble with my research. That I say that I mean there was India had its own system of grappling, mm-hmm. and it got impacted by a lot of cultural factors. You know, like. India has been a country where outsiders have been coming since a very long time. For example, like in the Harappan times, there are Mesopotamians that are coming to India. Then in 326 BC, the Greeks came to India. The Greeks stayed in India. Like in the Northwest Frontier province, we have a lot of Indo-Greek coins like Agathocles, Diodotus, Herodotus. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then the Persians came, the Turks came, the Afghans came. And also in 6th century, um, after Buddha, there was a lot of migration of uh, his teachings and stuff towards the eastern side of yeah. the world as well, which I would imagine. Yeah. And, and that's what the credit when you talk about um, Henzo, Heuler and these guys they give, they say it's the Buddha and uh, part of that group of uh, literates that basically could have, could be given credit for developing uh, that India Jiu-Jitsu idea. And then they migrated it East. I mean, like I will still be skeptical about that because I haven't found any archeological evidence to that. Okay. You know, like, um, for example, uh, when Yuri Simoes came for IJJ uh, yeah. seminar, right? So Eurysimoes, like IJJ wanted to just promote Eurysimoes coming to India, like a big thing. I mean, it's just marketing. So Yuri says that it was the Buddhists who started Jiu-Jitsu in India. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu yeah. has its roots in India. But like, I mean, I don't see any Buddhist cultures of grappling. I mean, so the earliest cultures of grappling that I have encountered are from Pakistan and Takshila which are basically Gangar art okay. of grappling. And those are not like, you know, not like heel hooks and stuff like that. They are just people holding arms, like a, like a testing each other's strength. They're not very intricate moves. Okay. So you can see that the art, the tradition of producing grappling art on art started during the Buddhist period. Okay. But I think it, evolved slowly into what we see today. Hmm. Yeah, could be. So I, I, so I'm, I've been just cold calling all like I on Instagram, I have messaged John Danaher. I have messaged Henner Gracie. I have messaged God knows who all man. Like I've sent, so I have four articles published as well. I can send them to you. Are these then, peer reviewed articles or um, these are peer reviewed articles Nice. in international journals. So for people who don't know what peer review articles are in academic circles, you, they are basically legitimate academic material uh, for others to study as well. Yeah. So they basically, the peer reviewed articles are gone through 
go gone through a weeding out process where different scholars read your work yeah and yeah. they cross check with the references yeah. that you have given that whether you have used legitimate references to and come not out just with wikipedia work. saying ke yeah jujitsu yeah. started in india yeah both yeah. started it <laughs> i haven't published that it started in india but i'm hinting a lot that see this culture is in india this culture is in india this movie is in india so like so i think it's also look like the uh, i think most people know the development of modern jiu jitsu and the history from japan to the gracie family gracie families to the us the us to you know what it is now all over the world essentially that is yeah. the path that modern jiu jitsu has taken but to think and say that over 10000 years of civilization somebody did not figure out how to apply a key lock and you know entangle somebody's legs while they're just fighting and they fall on the ground um i think would be foolhardy right yes definitely like i mean you can't i mean it's very unlikely that things were invented in edo era japan i think edo era japan like they evolved they used these moves in real life situations more than other countries I like, mean they they I definitely mean, turned that, it into a martial country right like there was a yeah. whole period where you had like everyone was a martial artist there was no option otherwise you would get killed exactly exactly like the samurai culture the ronin chonin daimyo satsuma right. joshu era so you know, like, from that like, it would have spread to like you know everyone trying to come up with a different form of ninjutsu jujutsu whatever you want to call it uh, to have I mean, a that's how- with kodokan judo right right and like that's when you talk about nevaza and randori that is like that is like you know when you talk about situational drilling yeah. or when you talk about real life drilling simulation yeah like yes i mean i mean i think japan did a lot to develop the art like a lot like the reason why we are doing jiu jitsu right now is because how japan promoted it but you know like we have to understand that it's not the earliest there is definitely something before that for sure there has to be i mean like even the greeks and the romans like i said earlier i mean essentially they've been doing it for you know well over 2 3000 years like yeah it was part yeah. of their uh, folklore with Olympians. the olympians that's literally where it comes from where gods would wrestle and that's the reverence that i suppose you know you see wrestlers most of them uh, you know a big ripped uh, stuff like that so it's not a far thought to think that even indian kings would adopt the strategy of you know keep good wrestlers around you looks good prosperous entertaining uh and that's the culture like that has been basically prevailing i suppose now for 10000 years and it's uh still not getting the proper recognition it deserves you know yeah i mean like there's this really interesting account of uh yusuf adil khan yusuf adil khan was a was basically a khurasani who migrated to south india in karnataka in the bahmani sultanate and he was a cook in the bahmani armory so 
the Mughals sent their wrestler, and that grappler beat everyone in the Bahmani gra- uh, army. Okay. And Yusuf Adil Khan goes to the king and says, "Can I wrestle him?" And you know there are references that Yusuf Adil Khan showed some moves that did not exist in Indian grappling, and he beat the North Indian grappler. Mm-hmm. So the king was so happy with him that he actually made him a military commander and gave him a jagir of Bijapur. Mm. and that's where kapur sultanate came to being so like wrestling has a really important like grappling has a really important role to play in history i think it has a pretty important uh, role to play in everyone's lives also most people just don't know it um but that's yeah. why we do what we do man i mean see i mean it's like imagine you people trying to promote the present day aspect and me trying to promote the historical aspect and us collaborating into building something better i mean like that's what i want out of the present martial arts culture it's just that people are not aware about my research that much and uh, like i want to collaborate with anyone so <clears throat> i saw i heard ranjit's podcast right mm-hmm. um, so i messaged ranjit like do you want to do something is like why don't you write an article for my website hmm so now soon i will be writing an article for ranjit hmm so like i am trying my level best to be out there so tell the, people about the reason it. the reason you're doing this i assume is to acquire funding eventually i mean funding i mean i i've done everything without funding right now so yeah. like so basically what i did was for my phd i deliberately took a job in bangalore mm-hmm. in an ib school mm-hmm. and uh, i taught igcse history there for a year and whatever i earned i basically put that in my field work right so like on every long weekend i used to sit and then sit in a state bus and travel to the villages of karnataka and study temples Right. I have studied like more than two hundred temples in a year, and wow. uh, I mean I have managed somehow. Like I I would appreciate some funding and some patronage. Definitely I would, but if I don't get it, that's not gonna stop me from researching. That's fucking cool, man. Kush, that's that's. I I mean I hope we can uh, at least get you some exposure if nothing else. but uh, it's some fascinating stuff you're working on man like um, it really is very interesting thank you cheers um anything else you want to add uh, where people can find you reach you how do they get involved with anything you're doing um if somebody's interested in they can find me on instagram like i have a instagram handle kush debar k debar where i put a lot of my cultural photos for people to see then yeah like i'm not very i think i should be very active socially but i'm a very introvert person mm. so i prefer one on one conversations like this rather than just being out there and being very socially active i need to work on that and why I do you, why I do, do you think that, that is when... why do you think that is I mean I have just been a very private person and you know like uh just I'm not very loud 
I'm just like even even when I was talking to Daniel Isaac or Alan Fernandez during the SFL days, I mean I just used to send them individual messages. Mm-hmm. And like they used to say, why don't you come for the event? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not coming for the event. Like if you want to meet me, I'll meet you alone. But mm-hmm. like I prefer not coming for a public event of sorts. So I mean, that's just me and I need to work on it. I agree. Yeah, just keep, the more you go for jujitsu class, the more that stuff will just shed right off you. Uh, yeah. I think that makes a difference for sure. And, you know, just to, we were talking before we started recording about that. You're like, I can't wait to get back to training. And there's a lot of people in, you know, that place. And just as a reminder, there are often times that we can't train and that our circumstances not in our control. So anytime you can train, like this is for everybody in general, like just take that opportunity and go train, no matter how tired you are, how lazy you are, how bad you're feeling, whatever, just go and do it. Because when you can't do it, like that's the only thing you want to do, right? Yeah, agree. So hopefully you'll get back on the mat soon and uh, hopefully we'll meet someday face-to-face as opposed to over just a screen. Yeah, man, I planned. So I've always, I always knew about Warriors Cove since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like 2013, I like followed, since 2013, I'm following the whole scene. It's just that I live, you know where Akshardham Temple is? Yeah, I do. I live there. Oh, like yeah. five kilometers further from Akshardham Temple. Hmm, like Patpadaganj. Yeah, that's far. And me coming to Warriors Cove, man, like I just I just no, get no. tired by thinking of it. No, no, no. That doesn't make sense. Like you should find an academy that's good, an academy that's close to you and somebody you know who's teaching you legit so, shit. This was Safdarjang cross train and then now he even he's planning to move further south. But like, don't they have I one really in Noida? They have one in Noida, but the thing is, it's equally far for me. Okay. Like they have it in sector 48, like deep Noida, deep Noida. not like okay. just at the outskirts. Noida. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that actually and makes sense. And there is no like... public transport inside Noida. Like, you have border cross the metro, then what do you do? Hmm, true. Chalo, I hope you get let's back let's... to training, man. I hope we so, all do soon. So, you guys are coming to Delhi? Sorry. Yeah, uh, I think Ashwin and I will be opening a gym in Delhi at some point. Uh, so let's see. Will it be South Delhi? I hope so, yeah. Damn it. Why? That's far for me, man. It's okay. Like to visit you guys. You can come on open mat Sundays. I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Sunday go to Chilmar stuff. <laughs> like today. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Kush, thank you so much for being here and sharing your research with us. Uh, you don't mind if I share video clips of your research, right? The stuff you showed me? No. Awesome, no. man. I will try and do my best to share it as soon as I can. But the podcast will be out next week. Um, thank you again. Thank you, Mohit. Take care. Love being here. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.